So yesterday, uh, I was at the back sink, and Kumud Prabhu, I guess he just heard that I'd been initiated by Prabhupada. So he comes up to me and he says, Prabhu, you're uh, Prabhupada Shishya? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then he, his whole complexion, you know, his whole demeanor, it, it became super awe and reverence, right? You met Prabhupada? I said, yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. And then right on the spot, right, you know how the back sink is. He just gets down and pays obeisances. So I said, Prabhu, we are all Prabhupada Nugas here. So, and that, I'm just building on the, uh, something I said this morning during class. That when Prabhupada left this world, it became more and more obvious from the moment he left that Prabhupada was for everyone because he's a Jagat Guru. He's, Jagat means universe or world. So he's capable of having a relationship with all generations of his followers, whatever the God family is. Um, and this is very common in, in Nepal and India or any place in Asia when a Prabhupada initiate comes, then I guess because we're getting so rare, they really um, they just want to keep you alive. <laughs> so uh, this is what I say every appearance, disappearance day of Prabhupada, but he really is for everybody and even more today everybody can have a deep foundational relationship with Srila Prabhupada. He really does live forever by his divine instructions. He really is living still and sound. If we avail ourselves of his everlasting vani. So, uh, and, and Prabhupada is the unity amidst our diversity. So it's great when we come together to all honor him. Because then it becomes very obvious. The more we absorb ourselves in his life, his teachings, his mood, his mission, then we realize it. Otherwise, what happens? I mean, after... His direct disciples, first and you know, first generation of followers goes, then Prabhupada just fades into the background and becomes like a, a, a figurehead. Uh, yeah, so we don't want that. And we, I think, in this kind of Tucson, we have this opulence of being pretty, very Prabhupada focused, and we even still have Prabhupada initiates here. <laughs> so, and. Uh, yeah. So let's stay absorbed in Prabhupada and the unity will go forward. Uh, united we stand. And we'll really thrive with that common identity. Yeah. See the Prabhupada key? Yeah. Can I be allowed to sing an offering? Yes. Yeah, just you got to sit here though. No problem. <laughs> In 1980, I was newly married and I was in Vancouver and my godbrother Mahesh Das came up to me and said, I wrote an offering on behalf of the temple for Prabhupada's Vyas Puja. Can you put it to music? I said, I'll give it a try. So here it is. Thank you.
Ever since I joined Krishna Consciousness, this is what I wanted to do. When I first joined the temple, I found a guitar in the basement, and after breakfast I started playing, and one of the senior Brahmins said, Prabhu, we don't do this. I went, oh, okay. So I didn't touch the guitar for four years, till finally, in New York temple, the temple president one day walked up to me and said, here's $50, go buy a guitar. I went, I took the money, I ran. <laughs> Figured he might change his mind. So I've always wanted to do this and Krishna has given me some facility. Srila Prabhupada, as the song says, you saved us. Where would we be without you? So Srila Prabhupada, we cannot thank you enough. We can't even begin to repay, but you have indicated that we can try to repay you by preaching your message. So on a day like today, we renew our commitment to you that we will try to push on your message, your movement, because that's all you want. You want the world to become Krishna conscious through your ISKCON movement. And it's still your movement and the mantle that will be passed down generation after generation. Soon all the Prabhupada disciples will be gone. So the new generation has to keep in mind that this is your movement and they have to carry it on understanding your mood and your words and your instructions. And let's continue this Krishna consciousness movement. Hare Krishna. I was just thinking um, what uh, Sureshvar was saying, how the devotee was, you know, to fall down and offer obeisances. When uh, we were just in India, everyone knows I had a rough time in India. One of the nice things we did um, is we went down to the Radhadamadar temple, of course, where Prabhupada had his rooms and he spent so many years and he wrote the first part of the Bhagavatam there. 
So we went down, which we always do, and we sit in his room and we read and we chant and we sing. So we were just starting that process and um, a boy comes in and he's standing there kind of just looking at us and we're reading and we're, you know, absorbing ourselves. And then he says something to someone else who says to us, uh, 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 beat it. Uh, uh, we're here to um, bathe Prabhupada and we're here to do the Arctic and, you know, you ladies are in the way. And so we're like, whoa. Obviously, he doesn't know who we are, the senior most <laughs> disciples. So anyway, we got up and circumambulated the temple. And then uh, we said, okay, we're going to come back after you're done. Then we're going to come back. So when we came back, then, um, then the two boys appeared. And so they said, um, we're going to do the Arctic now. Would you like to do the Arctic and lead the Arctic for Prabhupada? And so... You know, then we said, yes, certainly we would. So we did the Arctic, and it was very sweet. And then the boys start talking to us, and they, you know, ask us who we were, where we were from. And so we told them. And so then, as soon as he heard that we were actually Srila Prabhupada disciples, then the whole mood changed. And, uh, you know, he wanted our email. He wanted to know what where we were staying at the temple and all this stuff, which people do, but you don't really think about it. So every single day, we were there for like five days. So every single day, those two boys came with Maha Prashadam, with garlands, with gifts, with people that they wanted us to preach to. And it was kind of funny because here we were the, you know, senior devotees and every time they came to our room they happened to always come after lunch so everyone knows what I do after lunch around here <laughs> and so every time he came either we were like you know just getting up or you know one time I was getting a foot massage and you know we're eating snacks in our bed and you know here they come the new devotees and they wanted to honor the senior devotees and we were always <laughs> doing something like pertaining to the body and they wanted to get our picture, and then, you know, he has his recorder, goes, tell me something about Prabhupada, and, you know, they were so, my realization was that here we were, you know, not really imbibing Prabhupada's mood so much, and here were these new devotees, you know, brand new devotees, there are devotees for like two years, I think, and here they're dedicating themselves to taking care of Prabhupada's room, his murti, um, cooking for him, and now serving the devotees, and I was just so impressed how Prabhupada's reach is so far and wide that, you know, here they were more dedicated and more absorbed and more pure-hearted than, than we were, which doesn't take that much, but they were really the embodiment of really of Prabhupada's um, uh, mercy, you know, that these brand new devotees could get so much realization, so much appreciation for what Prabhupada did and they just wanted to they were just hanging on like every little word that we said and then they were bringing people over us for us to preach to and for it was getting to be a little much and um, actually and then we're, we're leaving that day and so they came again and you know they had all this maha prashadam and this jewelry from the deities and they had um, this crown made of flowers and all these things we couldn't possibly take them all with us but I was uh, just amazed on their service attitude, and it really helped me think about, you know, the importance of, you know, passing on that legacy and that mood of Srila Prabhupada that he had, and that mood of serving, that mood of, of being, you know, just a humble servant, um, and just that mood of devotional service, like that beautiful song was uh, sung about. So, um, you know, Prabhupada is certainly not limited to you know, the few minutes that some of us got to spend with him, that really through his books, through his example, through his lectures, through all the facility that everyone has now to listen to Prabhupada and to imbibe his 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 whole you know mood and his love is available to everyone, and not just everyone here in the room, but people who aren't in this room, who've never been in this room yet, but, you know, hopefully will come in the future. You know, they have just as much access to become pure devotees of Prabhupada as, as we do. So um, that's what I wanted to say. Srila Prabhupada first came to the Western world in 1965 and he was 
69 years old. And he didn't have any money. He had like 200 sets of Bhagavatams and a few rupees. <clears throat> and then he struggled for an entire year with no followers to speak of. Uh, then finally in 1966, uh, he began to have some success with the help of the early devotees, especially like Mukunda Maharaj, who got, went out and got the village voice and looked in the classifieds and found the temple on 26-2nd Avenue and negotiate, helped negotiate the deal. <clears throat> so at that time, Srila Prabhupada um, was almost 70 years old. Uh, and so it was inevitable that he wouldn't stay forever in his physical form, so-called physical form, uh, with us. And um, up until the time he disappeared, for every devotee in the Krishna Consciousness Movement, Srila Prabhupada was everything. Was everything to everybody. Everything depended on Srila Prabhupada. And, and the devotees at the, and during the final year of Prabhupada's life, which he stayed in India, um, the devotees were still in denial, even though Srila Prabhupada was obviously going to leave the body over 80 years old and in poor health and um, declining health. Still the devotees, Prabhupada was everything. So even when Prabhupada was clearly going to depart, the devotees still couldn't accept it because everything and everyone depended on Srila Prabhupada. <clears throat> our, our Krishna consciousness was dependent on Prabhupada. So how could we go on without Srila Prabhupada? But then for someone to think that means they don't recognize who is Prabhupada, the eternal uh, associate of Lord Krishna, who happens to be <clears throat> with us for a short time preaching, and then he returns to Krishna. So philosophically, we have to understand that the Prabhupada has never left. Um, Hayagriva wrote in his memoirs um, how during the early days they went up to uh, Dr. Uh, Mishra's Ananda Ashram. The devotees paid a visit up there and Sri Prabhupada went. And um, so some of the devotees were uh, sleeping out. There was a, like a pond or a lake there. They were sleeping on their sleeping bags next to the lake. It was in the summer and the weather was nice. And he was watching the stars and the shifting of the stars and he was going in and out of sleep and he had this dream that there was this golden youth, this beautiful golden personality and everyone was crowded around him. And then he got closer and he could see that it was actually Srila Prabhupada in his youthful eternal spiritual form. And he asked Prabhupada in the dream, well, why don't you come like this instead of appearing before us as an old gentleman? Why don't you come as this like amazingly ecstatic, beautiful, spiritual form, which is your real form? Everyone would be so attracted. And Prabhupada told him in the dream that, um, because if I did that, then people would follow me for my beauty and not for my teachings. So, um, Although Srila Prabhupada appeared before us as an elderly Bengali gentleman, he's actually this amazing associate of Krishna, this spiritual, golden, dazzling, beautiful youth, this spiritual personality. So he remains like that. Although for us, we eternally, she's Srila Prabhupada in his um, preaching vapu. So we have the murti of Srila Prabhupada in his preaching vapu in our temples all over the world. So, all this to say that Srila Prabhupada is not limited by the, the time, the place, and the circumstance of his physical disappearance, although inevitably he gave up the body and went on to his next engagement. Uh, but still, I have to say that from, from my personal experience, that Srila Prabhupada still is everything to the devotees in the Krishna Consciousness Movement. Because everything we have, we've been given by Prabhupada. 
everything, uh, down to even smallest details. Um, so our Krishna consciousness is still completely dependent on Srila Prabhupada, like it always was from the moment he began preaching. And as it should be in the Krishna consciousness movement from now till it is no longer manifest some 10,000 years in the distant future. <clears throat> so now is actually a very good time uh, to be alive. And Srila Prabhupada was just here and he has just left, but there is so much more to um, Krishna consciousness to be expanded within this material world by the mercy of Srila Prabhupada. So still we are dependent on Srila Prabhupada for everything. And um, it's also important to note that if you want to associate with Srila Prabhupada, then um, you can also read his books and understand everything about Krishna consciousness from his books. And that is association also. That is direct personal association with Srila Prabhupada. So thank you all very much. Some of the things that have already been said by the devotees of uh, Prabhupada not being gone and how he has given us everything. I just want to say a couple of short prayers. Uh, in the morning, that's suggested to meditate on Srila Prabhupada. Meditating on Srila Prabhupada as sitting at the lotus feet of Lord Chaitanya Dev, Lord Nityananda and Sri Gadadhar. On the left side, standing with folded hands is Sri Adwaita. On the right side, holding an umbrella over everyone is Sri Srivas. Sri Prabhupada has beautiful eyes and beautiful arms, and by remembering his name, we become free of all fear. Nama Shristang Manuapi Shachiputram Atrasarupa Rupam Tashagradam Urupurin Maturin Gustavatim Radakundam Girivanamaho Radakamadavasham Prakto Yasha Pratita Kripaya Sri Gurung Tang Natosmi. By the causes mercy of Srila Prabhupada, we have received the supreme names, the divine mantra, the service of the son of Shachimata, association of Srila Sarod Damodar. Rupa Goswami and his elder brother Sanatana Goswami, the supreme abode of Mathura, the blissful abode of Sri Vindavan, the divine Radhakun, Sri Giri Govardhan, and the desire within our hearts for the loving service of the divine couple. So Sri Prabhupada has given us everything. So we pray that we can understand the significance of those sublime gifts and that with uh, great enthusiasm, determination, and patience. We can assist him in spreading the glories of Lord Chaitanya Dev. Shiva Prabhupada Try to write something, but I kept changing my mind. <laughs> but I just wanted to thank Srila Prabhupada for everything he's given us. And as I'm his age when he came, 
I realized how inconceivable um, everything he did. You know, I mean, his energy, he didn't sleep. And even before he came, um, he was always studying and preaching, of course, at Gorimat, and um, translating and um, writing. So it was, it was definitely a lifetime in preparation. And then he um, fulfilled Lord Chaitanya's prophecy that he would, that the chanting the holy name would be all over the world and is just we're all lost souls here in Kali Yuga and for him to give us everything we need and we just need to take advantage of it and I just pray for a drop of his determination to be able to use whatever I have um, to not waste time and um, you know make bad best use of a bad bargain <laughs> um i guess we all have our stories of growing up but you know i was kind of felt like damaged goods but i just feel like he really saved me and i pray to not waste time and utilize whatever time i have left to um engage in his service and i'm so grateful for his changing my life because I was definitely a lost soul. So I think that's about all I really wanted to say. Um, so that's, that's about it. I do remember it's edged in my mind that I was in the Denver Temple when or I was on my way to the Denver Temple for class and everybody was chanting, so I sat down in the back and was chanting, and, but I noticed everybody was crying. And then they said that he, he passed. But then I went into labor that night, and so I became self-absorbed. <laughs> but um, anyway, thank you, Prabhupada. Thank you so much. Thank you. On uh, Prabhupada's disappearance day, I personally always think back to, you know, when he was still here with us. And, uh, you know, as the years go by, the devotees who are Prabhupada disciples, it's becoming rarer and rarer. And at some point, there won't be any more Prabhupada disciples. But I just feel extremely grateful and fortunate to have been around when Everybody was a Prabhupada disciple, every one of them, you know, and he was here and, you know, I got to meet him, hear him speak, um, see him physically, and to be able to, you know, serve the movement and contribute something back then and still be able to do it now is everything, you know, Prabhupada gave us the, the roadmap and the instructions to go back to, to Godhead, so we just... Uh, we just need to apply ourselves and and take it to heart and make the most of it. I appreciate I was just listening to a class of Ravindra Swarupu. And, well, first I just want to say, my Guru Maharaj, he said that Prabhupada, one of his most remarkable features was that they say in speaking to, you know, stay on point. And Prabhupada, regardless of the situation, no matter where he was, no matter what time, the circumstance, he was always on point. He never deviated. And... So anyways, in the mood of Vapu and Vani, you know, understanding Prabhupada's presence in his instructions and not just his physical form, I was thinking because uh, Ravindra Sarup gave this example of a, a scale. If you have, I don't know what you call it, just the balance, the two sides. And he said, if you put Krishna on one side and sense gratification on the other side, if sense gratification is higher, then 
Krishna is lower, and if Krishna is higher, then then sense gratification is lower. So I was thinking in terms of understanding Prabhupada's spiritual presence in his vani, it's contingent on our detachment from sense gratification because the the very the attachment to our own body, then we will be more attached to Prabhupada in a physical way, a vapu way, and we'll feel separated. But to the extent that we're detached from sense gratification, we'll be able to feel Prabhupada's presence. So in listening to Prabhupada's lectures, Prabhupada is just continually um, and it's almost like I have to put on my armor or something every time. Okay, here goes. Hit him, you know, get ready for it, you know. Prabhupada says, don't waste this valuable life, you know. You have such a, you know, Prabhupada was saying this one life she was saying, you know, it's taken millions of lifetimes to come to this human form of life. If you squander this opportunity, that it could be millions of lives before you again. And, and, and I'm just like, you know, like, when is it going to sink in? But anyways, that was just, my Guru Mahara was saying that Prabhupada was always on point, and um, there could be, you know, like when Prabhupada was in that car accident, you know, just detached, just sober, and the devotees were, I don't know, what was it, was Brahmananda? He was in the yeah. car, and, and he was like, my God, you know, he's like, and Prabhupada was just, you know, completely detached, but sober. And the other thing I was just thinking, how Prabhupada's sobriety, but he was simultaneously the most sober, but the most joyful, like the most blissful, simultaneously, and, and sort of reinforcing the idea that being detached from sense gratification, one can actually enjoy. And, and there was one reporter was asking Prabhupada, what, you know, what is the purpose of life? And Prabhupada said, the purpose of life is to enjoy. And Ravindra Sarup was saying, the devotees were a little taken back, you know, because wait a minute, I thought, you know, so the, the real happiness of the soul, uh, again, contingent on, you know, our, the vairagya vidya, the, the real knowledge means detachment, and then in that state, one can actually enter deeply into Prabhupada's teachings and the practice of devotional service. So, this year we're really going to try to imbibe the move of the Christmas marathon. So, um, I didn't really know the whole history of it, but it's in the Lila Rita, and it's really amazing. So, in nine days, we're going to start this Christmas marathon here in Tucson. We're going to start early, we're going to get a jump start. So, um, we're going to ask the devotees who distribute. We have many new young devotees who are distributing and getting inspired for preaching to pledge so that we can beat last year's score. We can enter into uh, 2019 with a lot of momentum. <coughs> so this is Sasru Goswami from Volume 2 of the Lila Amrita. And he describes how it began. And then he reads Srila Prabhupada's letter in response to this. And he gives this great blessing. So I'd like to read this to you, if that's okay. So it was on December 22, 1972, that we accidentally discovered the Christmas Marathon in Los Angeles. Of course, we noticed a great increase in the number of people going into the stores, and the stores were staying open, sometimes until midnight. I was standing in front of a Burbank Zodis. We were having an intense competition with prizes in Los Angeles, and it was building to a feverish pitch. So after distributing madly all day long, I had collected about $350 and had distributed 650 magazines. It was about 10 o'clock at night. I was convinced this was a new world's record in ISKCON and that nobody was possibly going to beat me this day. Even though this store was open until 12, business had started, started slowing off. And I was thinking, maybe I should go back. Undoubtedly, everyone is back already. No one has ever stayed out past 8 o'clock. They'll all be waiting up for me. I shouldn't keep them waiting up. So in this way, my mind was convincing me to go back. By 11 o'clock, the store was completely dead. I got in the car and started driving back. On the way back, I passed another Zodis called Hollywood Zodis on Sunset Western. 
I was torn whether to stop or not, because that store was crowded was going to be open until midnight. But I decided, no, I'll go back, because the other devotees will be waiting up to see how many books I have distributed. So I just kept driving. I finally arrived at the temple at about 10 minutes to 12, and I burst into the Sankirtan room, but the only person there was the secretary, Madhu Kant. I said, oh no, everyone went to bed? He said, no, nobody is back yet. I was the first one back. That was the discovery of the first Christmas marathon. It was completely unplanned. No one had ever instructed anyone to stay out that late. We just did it spontaneously. Finally, at about 1.30 in the morning, all the devotees had returned and were all sitting around looking at the Sankirtan map. We couldn't sleep. We were so excited to go out. We were thinking, where can we find plenty of conditioned souls to distribute books to? Our noise and raucous laughter was like a drunken party, and it woke up Karandar, who was sleeping in his office in the next room. He came out stumbling in, wiping the sleep from his eyes. But when he saw us and saw what was going on, he burst out laughing and sent us all to bed, saying, Get ready for tomorrow. So in this way, we performed the three-day marathon, December 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. No one had ever distributed as many books before in the history of our movement. A big day had been considered to be somewhere between 25 and 40 books, but we were distributing between 5,000 and 6,000 pieces of literature a day for a three-day period. One temple had distributed almost 18,000 pieces of literature in just three days. At this time, Srila Prabhupada was in Bombay, where his attempt to secure the land in Juhu had become entangling. The landlord lord was now refusing to sell the property and was trying to evict the devotees, even though Srila Prabhupada had already installed Radhakrishna deities on the land. Although these matters were causing Srila Prabhupada anxiety, he continued his usual daily duties, taking his morning walk, lecturing in the evening from the nectar of devotion, corresponding with and receiving news from his centers around the world, even organizing a Bombay Pandal festival for January. When Srila Prabhupada received news of the book distribution in Los Angeles and elsewhere in the United States, he was very pleased and amazed. Although involved with many affairs from throughout the world, he put them aside and relished the overwhelming victory of book, of book distribution in America. Immediately, he called in his personal secretary and dictated the following letter. My dear Rameshwar, I beg to acknowledge receipt of your letter dated December 27, 1972, and with great happiness, I have read your figures of amount of books sold during the three-day period, December 22nd through 24th, 1972. It is scarcely believable that more than 17,000 books could have been sold by one temple in three days. That indicates to me that people are at last becoming a little serious about this Krishna consciousness movement in your country. Otherwise, why they should buy our books? But they can see that our boys and girls devotees are so much sincere and serious to distribute the message of Krishna consciousness. They are at once struck by seeing them, and therefore they appreciate and purchase. This is unique in the world. So I am so much pleased upon all the boys and girls in Los Angeles and all over the world who are understanding and appreciating this unique quality of our transcendental literature, and voluntarily they are going out to distribute, despite all circumstances of difficulty. By this effort alone, they are assured to go back home, back to Godhead. Haribo. Haribo. So we always hear it's more pleasing and blissful to give than to receive. And, Christ and Christmas time, December, is the month of giving gifts. And so what greater gift can we give? And what greater way can we please Prabhupada in December? So um, please join us in really evoking that mood here this year. I'm also going to read from Narayani Mataji, Prabhupada's disciple. <clears throat> She's talking about how Prabhupada would manage time. Every time you'd have. Sala Prabhupada was beyond time. He flew through many time zones, 
and was not affected. He slept little and sometimes not at all. His daily schedule was 1.30 a.m. Wake up and translate books. 3 to 5 Japa. 5.30 morning walk 2 miles. 1 to 1.5 hours. 7 a.m. morning program. Breakfast at 9 to 11.30. Management is gone, 11.30, massage and bath, at one at lunch at 1, 2, rest at 4 o'clock, juice, it's only twice a day and sometimes at night, 5 p.m. guest or lecture, 10 to 11, rest after leg massage. This was from Iskan in 70s. Sala so Prabhupada knew the proper time for everything. Prabhupada was liberated, but both to show us and to live in the most effective way to accomplish his service, he organized the 24 hours of the day and night. There was a best time when the air was cool and the neighborhood quiet for taking a morning walk. There was a best time to greet the deities according to, his, to their time. There was a best time for devotees to gather, a suitable time to eat for health, and a reasonable time to answer letters. To regulate his men so they would rise early, he rose early. He preached to his guests at times convenient for their schedules. schedules. Thus, he scheduled his transcendental acts, not for the rule's sake, but for performing constant optimum service to Krishna for spreading and solidifying his Iskan movement in this world. He was the epitome of Bhava showing Abhyartha Kalatam using every moment of time for the service of Krishna. A Krishna conscious person cannot bear to pass a minute of his life without being engaged in the service of the Lord. Therefore, his sleeping is kept to a minimum. A Vaishnava must be very alert not to waste even a second of his valuable time. This is a symptom of a Vaishnava. Srutakrati Prabhu. Srila Prabhupada never wasted his time. I was only 20 years old when I was his servant. But I had a difficult time keeping up with him as he traveled around the world, enlivening his disciples. He was 75 years old then. Sometimes, on his morning walks, his disciples would look at each other, shake their heads, and wonder when he was going to go back to the temple because they were getting tired of walking. Once I joined Sila Prabhupada's morning walk, running to catch up, Sila Prabhupada stopped the walk to acknowledge my presence. Who was I? One insignificant disciple out of thousands of Srila Prabhupada had the time to talk to me and notice me. Let us pray to Srila Prabhupada that we may also make the time to serve him and think of him and pray to him every day of the reminder of our lives. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. And my love for Prabhupada increased when I see all the devotees engaged in Prabhupada's service all the time with great enthusiasm. Every day as a new day, that gives me a hope and encouragement and helps me to go up along with the path. Hare was thinking how um, lately, not lately, quite a, you know, quite a few times when I'm by myself, I, I think about the stupid things that I've done in my life. And um, sometimes it, I, the things that I have done is so stupid that I just want to, you know, put my hand through the wall like some devotee did in one of the rooms over here. <laughs> and, and I just can't can't believe how I could have, you know, anyway. 
But I also sometimes remember how when I was young, I really liked the words of Jesus and, you know, how just everything that I, that I heard that Jesus said. And this is why I, in later years, after I really had some troubles in life in San Diego, started going back to Christian churches, and at least they, you know, will read some things that Jesus said. Whatever they're doing with their lives, they still read, you know, Jesus' words. But um, I just realized that I never could figure out, you know, how to practically live the way Jesus was talking. And um, it was, you know, I didn't even, I didn't think it was possible. And I just proceeded to live for 30 or 40 or more years making mistakes and, um, you know, doing the best I could, but uh, never really putting anything together. So finally I um, ended up in an apartment a couple of blocks away from this wonderful temple in Pacific Beach, San Diego. And fortunately there was all these sincere devotees that were there and uh, Ganga Mantri was one of those. Gave me my first service, sweeping or mopping in temple. Gave me my first beads too, thank you. <laughs> so, um, but I uh, just have to say thank you so much for this sweet life of Krishna consciousness. I never uh, could have thought that there was a, a way to have a simple life that is so uh, thrilling. I also was able to go to uh, Mayapur and see the complex. I was just thinking how when I got back, you know, it was a hard trip for me too. It was only two weeks, but got back and uh, I was asked, well, what was the best and the worst things on the trip? I didn't even have any answers, and I'm so stupid. It takes me a while to, <laughs> to uh, you know, it takes me a while to think about it. So two weeks later, I could tell you, but um, anyway, I actually, I thought pretty much right away. I thought, well, the best thing is to see what has been done in that Mayapur complex. You know, the buildings and the gardens and the, um, you know, the enthusiasm, the temperament, the deities, everything about that, I just thought. Wow, this is such confirmation of, of you know, what Srila Prabhupada has done. And you just feel the love so much there. So anyway, it's all kind of confirmed for me. And I really love this life of just trying to be a devotee. So thank you so much, Srila Prabhupada. I was actually really happy when uh, Atul Govinda Prabhu started talking about the books because I was thinking the books, the books, the books. That's what Prabhupada had first in in mind and in um, in his heart. Um, the first thing I, I'd like to share is that I've been taught, and Prabhupada said. If you want to distribute my books, you have to study my books. Mm. And um, we have such a zillion of little books now available. It can get a, a little confusing. I, when I met the devotees in southern France, it was in 1980. So it was not too long after Prabhupada left us. All the devotees were Prabhupada's disciples, obviously. And they were so infused with this enthusiasm of spreading Krishna consciousness and with the joy and the, the happiness that the, the purity of devotees' life um, provides. And um, I, I just found myself in this context where the new Bhagavad Gita has just come out. And what I want to say is that if you study Prabhupada's books, his books, Bhagavad Gita and then the Bhagavatam, we're supposed to know the Bhagavatam. You know the ten cantos, that's a lot. And when I took initiation in 1981, chanting 16 rounds was already, of course, the requirement and reading one hour a day. 
And as Sankirtan devotees, we were um, a few dozens in France at the time, we were doing that very, very faithfully. And we had a leader around us was making sure we would read an hour a day. And I found that, so I was able by Prabhupada's grace to go through the whole uh, 10 cantos of the Bhagavata in my first two years, pretty much, of distributing books. And uh, the reason I'm, I remember very well is because every time I visit my parents in France, I have this trunk with old things, and I got about 10 or 12 notebooks where I was taking notes. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I was really serious about this. I mean, I, 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 you know, I forgot how I was really trying to be a good student. And it's not about me. The point is that if you study Prabhupada's books, even if you go astray or even if whatever happens, the sky fall, falls on your head, Prabhupada will grab you back and you will always stay in this movement. So Prabhupada is really in his book, as he said, but the, the, the way to have the desire, because going to talk to, we used to call them karmis, no? call them whatever, brothers and sisters, all these people out there, you know, it's not always pleasant to have the desire to go over the ego thing or whatever, I don't have the material qualification. All you need, all we need to do is to read Prabhupada's books, then the desire, Prabhupada put the desires, desire in, in our hearts. So I, I just wanted to share that because there's no secret to distribute the books. You just need to have the desire to do it and the books will fly out of your bags. Lord Chaitanya and Prabhupada, they will do it for you. You don't know how. All you have to do is go out there knock on a door or talk to people on the street, whatever. I don't know now, the world has changed quite a bit since the 80s, but whatever works best and Krishna will do the rest. You don't need any material qualification, any. Just probably to be able to speak English, that's it. So anyway, so, um, you know, and also uh, I read Shri Prabhupada's life. Um, um, and that, that helps a lot to, to know him better. But he will manifest to you as you just even try to give somebody a, a little book. And last thing I want to say is many times we give things because of course we're generous, we have Krishna, we want to give Krishna. It's nice to engage people as much as possible. If they have any inclination to give a little donation, it's, it's good for them. It's better than to just give a book for free. You know, you see according to circumstances, but if people can give something, it engages them and Krishna takes care of them forever and they're going to read the book. If they get it for free, they, they might not read it. So it's another uh, little detail. It can be 50 cents, whatever Krishna really appreciates. And... Thank you so much all for being here. Yeah. You don't have to come up. Okay. This is called Bhakti Vedanta. One of my favorite poems that I've written over the past few years. The world was his stage, didn't matter what his age. He will always be our sage, Bhakti Vedanta, confident and reassuring, majestic and alluring, fearless and unnerving, Bhakti Vedanta, the savior of us all. By his example, we stand tall. Devotees answer his call, Bhakti Vedanta, possesses a chess master's vision, sees all obstacles and opposition, nothing stops him from his mission. Bhakti Vedanta, a pure heart and humility we're praising. He glides on sand as if walking on water, amazing. It's Krishna consciousness everyone is craving. Bhakti Vedanta, our love for him is contagious, so much so our devotion is outrageous. 
Krishna high in the spiritual sky he made us, Bhakti Vedanta. His flowing nectar is sweeter as I read from the Bhagavad Gita. I think I'll drink a liter, Bhakti Vedanta. <laughs> Chanting Hare Krishna, his face glows as our friend, as our love for Lord Krishna grows. Our friend George Harrison knows, Bhakti Vedanta. If you love Krishna, it pleases him the most. Anywhere in the world, including the United States coast, he teaches us the truth with no ego to boast. Bhakti Vedanta. Thank you, everyone. There's, there's several more devotees that haven't spoken, so who's ever the most eager of those Prabhus, then please jump up now and take your seat. Oh, okay, look at that, Krishna Kumari. You're always so shy and always so busy. So. How about I'm always in bed? <laughs> I can't get down, so I'll just do it. Dear Shila Prabhupada, please accept my humble obeisances, which you have allowed me the comfort of giving, no matter what was happening in my life or on the planet around me. On this day of your transcendental disappearance from our external view, I am surrounded and I miss totally the comfort feeling of being surrounded by the security and love and shelter which we always felt in your presence. There was a beautiful bubble of hope that surrounded you and let anyone in who even barely desired to be there. I miss hearing about where you are going and what you are doing. Now that I'm 70, I certainly have a better idea how much you sacrificed for us. And I know that your Shakti is still present and available for others if they simply think of you and ask for some opportunity to serve you. But no one can ever supersede your simple manners while traveling. I miss the tidal waves of ecstatic dancing and singing, which flooded in all directions whenever you appeared. I often felt like an electric current was charging through my body and hopping me up and down effortlessly there. I miss sneaking in to get some nectar, nectar from your plate, or nectar from your shoes, or nectar from your garlands. I miss doing your laundry and thinking that your clothes smelled much cleaner and much more transcendentally fragrant before I washed them. <laughs> I miss your glance that was penetrating, and yet so soft and sensitive at the same time. You saw through my layers of gross garbage and subtle egoism, and you embraced my real eternal self. I felt like you knew me when no one else did. I missed feeling safe in the care of you, whom I knew would never cheat me or anyone else. It was so easy to trust you, just like a little kid in a pram that mom is pushing along. I miss all the excitement preparing for your arrival. I cannot imagine how you tolerated all the fresh paint smells of your newly decorated rooms all around the world. I would collapse and have to be rushed to the emergency room if I even had to walk through one of those newly painted rooms. <laughs> I miss the tears that always came pouring down like rain from all our faces. Whenever you came and went, we bonded in those downpours, your disciples, who have nothing else in common but your mercy and the holy name. I miss you, Srila Prabhupada, and I'm eager to join you again. No matter when or where or how, I just wish it were now. Cross-legged. 
Okay. I was thinking of a lot of things to say. Again, when I come down to these sort of things, I have a really difficult time trying to put into words how I feel about this sort of thing. So what I wind up doing um, is I wind up thinking about, uh, I've mentioned this before, about the first book I ever got from a devotee in 1977 was The Science of Self-Realization. I mean, I read the Bhagavad Gita, you know, from the, tried to read through that uh, when I was younger, and I just, I just couldn't. It just I didn't didn't really comprehend what was really going on, um, but the science of self realization I started to read through that, and I really started to understand a lot of you know some of the things that was that Srila Prabhupada was trying to say, and so on reflection on that I started thinking that he had a way of seeing things that was just so direct and so clear and so simple, I mean. Vedic scripture is incredibly intricate. And so, but he had a way with his translations and his purports to be able to really help us to understand in a way that no other person ever was able to do. Um, so, in lieu of that, I want to set an example of, give you an example of that from the science of self realization. And um, so, that works. Technology, but a little delay here. Okay. So this was an interview that was uh, in the first part of the book, the first chapter of that book, by Miss Nixon. I guess a journalist, not not Nixon's wife. No, that wasn't. It. Um, but it's it's Miss Nixon. Okay. And part of that, she has a question here, and she says. One of the most difficult aspects of Krishna consciousness for an outsider to accept is the deity in the temple, how it represents Krishna. Could you talk a little bit about that, Srila Prabhupada? Yes. At the present moment, because you have not been trained to see Krishna, he kindly, <clears throat> so he kindly appears before you so you can see him. You can see wood and stone, but you cannot see what is spiritual. Suppose your father is in the hospital and he dies. You are crying by his bedside. Now my father is gone. But why do I say he is gone? What is that thing which is gone? Miss Nixon, well, his spirit is gone. Srila Prabhupada, and have you seen that spirit? Miss Nixon, no. Srila Prabhupada, so you cannot see spirit. And God is the supreme spirit. Actually, he is everything, spirit and matter. But you cannot see him in his spiritual identity. Therefore, to show kindness towards you, he appears out of his unbounded mercy in the form of a wooden or stone deity so that you can see him. Miss Nixon, thank you very much. Srila <laughs> Prabhupada, Hare Krishna. <laughs> so it was, it was that type of clarity he would do. I mean, I, I'm, when I read that, I went, well, yeah, okay. Because when I first read that back in 1977, I thought, why do Hindus worship him? Well, why do they see the deity and all these things? I can't understand that. You know, it seems like you know some you know get the old idea from Christianity. You know, it's 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 like idol idolatry or something like that. But you really don't understand. When I first read that, I thought, wow, that makes perfect sense. Okay, you know. So it was that type of real gift he had to be able to really make clear all those things uh, that was very difficult to understand. And through people who were, you know, back in those days, we were so, so lost and so, you know, everywhere, you know, to, to cut through that for everyone was just absolutely phenomenal to me. So anyway, I'm very grateful for Srila Prabhupada for being able to do that and, and his gift he gave us all. So all glory to Srila Prabhupada.
Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-